the Spanish announce table. You are watching the Spanish announce table. It is episode 413. AEW Dynamite just went off the air a little bit ago. We are uh, we are tuned in to the right frequencies here, or whatever the fuck they say for the new digital internet age. Uh, we are streaming live, streaming live, Tom, here on the YouTube. If you're listening back to this later on the podcast, you missed it. Sucks. Uh, you could have been watching us live right here on the YouTube, like Tom was doing right over there. If you didn't catch that, I gotta Background make sure. Noise. Gotta make sure that we're on the air. You know what I mean? Or or live streaming, whatever the hell you want to call it. You know and what? We're great. pushing knobs. We're we're moving faders. We're doing all the things that we should be doing. We are, and and I'd like to point out that we are right. We're not sitting here doing this with a production crew behind the camera. Uh, more on some of that later, um, but. You know, it's just us. We've got to do this live. We got to be twisting the knobs and faders, whatever you said, right? I like twisting things. Uh, but it takes a lot of work, takes a lot of energy, and it takes a lot of money. So sometimes we need your donations, which you can do at SpanishNounceTable.net. We also have a cash app that you can access on the Twitter. And sometimes you can just donate to us and be the beer sponsor of the week. And why I like to bring up the beer sponsor of the week, because it's been a while, Tom. Got ourselves. Slater Gator, beer sponsor of the week. And I can't tell you how taken aback I was by the generous contributions of Mr. Jeffrey Todd, who uh, I heard uh, Jeffrey Todd's hair belongs in shampoo commercials. Jeffrey Todd, beer sponsor of the week. I heard that even though he has two first names and you should always never trust a man with two first names, that he is actually a trustworthy person. He will watch your house. He will hug your baby. He is a good, upstanding citizen of the world, Jeffrey yeah, Todd. I heard, I heard Jeffrey Todd does his crossword puzzles in ink. That's how awesome. I heard that Jeffrey Todd, when he comes up to a railroad crossing, stops and looks both ways before crossing. Solid dude. Solid, Solid dude. dude, right? Hey, so, so, so with the Jeffrey donation, Todd, yeah. hold on. Mm-hmm. So with the donation, uh, because we're no longer in the same spot, I am at the Papa Shango Library and you're at your residency, we didn't get the same beer. So uh, why don't we do a quick local plug? What did you get? And then I'll say what yeah, I got. I got the KC Beer Companies. This might be backwards. Uh, Dunkel, which is like a um, it's a Munich-style brown lager. And KC Beer Company is one of the great local uh, breweries here in the Kansas City metropolitan area, such as? Uh, Boulevard Brewing Company. I got the Buck O'Neill Legendary 22 Hall of Fame Class of 2022. It is a barrel age Saison Ale. Again, Buck O'Neill from the Negro League uh, Baseball, also in the Negro League Baseball Hall of Fame. He was an advocate for the Negro League Baseball Hall of Fame. He also played and was with the first manager, first black manager in Major League Baseball history. Uh, so definitely a legend. Glad that they were able to uh, commemorate him in this uh, alcoholic beverage. And so I am going to drink this. Fun yeah. fact, just for the real heads that are that are tuned in, that have made it this far. Uh, I'm on chemo because I have a fucking tumor in my shoulder i haven't drank alcohol since i started chemo we're gonna all be on this journey together and just like hangman said hold my beer we're gonna pop it open ah. we're gonna do a live science experiment right here on the spanish announce table and you get involved is. get in the chat with us live tell tom 
you know, nice knowing you or add a boy bottoms up, whatever you want to say. <laughs> Man, if you would have had like a thing to start fizzing out of your mouth. <laughs> See, you missed the spot, Tom. You really should have planned this better. <laughs> Uh yeah, don't yeah, crazy now. Don't go boy who cried wolf. Later on in the show, you're gonna start feeling woozy and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. Tastes Whatever, great. Tom. <laughs> Again, thank you so much to Jeffrey Todd. You are a upright, very great man of the world. We thank you yep. for your contributions. We thank you for the compliments. We give you compliments, but you gave us a compliment. We thank you for that. And so much more. Uh also what Jeffrey Todd did. And if memory serves me correct, because again, I don't fact check. Uh, Jeffrey Todd also got a Spanish announce table shirt from Pro Wrestling Tees, which you could also get prowrestlingtees.com slash Spanish announce table. Pick up a shirt. I got the extra soft mm-hmm, premium, mm-hmm. paid a couple yep. extra dollars for it, but it is very nice. Here's the logo as you're seeing on yeah. the YouTube. Love it. That's the beauty Jeffrey of Todd's it. Jeffrey Todd's going to love kinda... his. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. at the Pro Wrestling Tees. You can pick your size. You can pick the kind of style of the shirt, right? You can go extra soft or maybe you go that, like, light uh, or extra durable. You know, all kinds of stuff. Uh, ship it right to you. We got Jeffrey Sill saying, took them way too long to vote him into the Hall of Fame, Casey Monarch's legend. And, yes, uh, yes, if you're in the Casey area, check out the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. It, it's the same kind of building there with the Jazz Museum. Uh, mm-hmm. Awesome awesome time you won't regret especially if you're a baseball fan so much information you could read when i go to museums i'm the guy who likes to stop and read all the little things right like all the things i'll make us take forever and man i had to speed it up at some point i was like i'm gonna have to come back i can you can spend eight hours there learn all the crazy information but that's actually here to talk about yeah well actually i got a chance to meet buck o'neill before we get into our recap i actually got a chance to meet buck o'neill junior in high school 2003 that dates me but I was interviewing the Kansas City Royals, part of a high school project. Uh, we got there before the game started. We're in there with the other media, like ESPN. I'm like a high school from, in, you know, Independence. Here I am sitting next to fucking, uh, um, who was I sitting next to? Uh, Buster Ole, you know? Anyhow, we're sitting there. We're waiting for the players. I'm interviewing Mike Sweeney again on a bunch of Royals that, you know, never has been, whatever. And here comes here comes Buck O'Neill walking in the stands with a giant green foam cowboy hat. And he's just giggling because he thinks it's funny, which it is. And he's just he's an older man, you know, this is 2003. And he's just giggling, kind of looking around like, yeah, this is funny. And we're all laughing. And then he just waves. And there he goes. He said hi to us. That was all. But yeah, mm-hmm. Buck O'Neill, Hall of Famer, great man, uh, great baseball player as well. So, yes. You said we're going to talk about wrestling. Let's talk about wrestling. Let's talk about our favorite pro wrestling show, and that is AEW Dynamite. And tonight was actually a special episode. It was Winter is Coming. I think so far, the signature moment of Winter is Coming would be Sting's debut. Wouldn't you agree? Sure, yeah. I think that's the one that resonates as far as, like, let's do a playback video montage that's the one moment. that like will be first of a winter. That's the only one that like, if you told me, hey, grab something from a winter is coming. That's the only one that immediately comes to mind even. Now, I will say we have some memories made tonight, which we'll get into. But before we talk about maybe the most shocking moment of the year, uh, we started off with the best of seven series. It was match four between the elite and death triangle. This was good. This was a good tone setter. I think. You know, we've talked about this in previous episodes. 
you kind of get a little bit like, oh man, we're going to be doing match four and five and six. But when you kick off the show that way, the energy is already high, right? The crowd is already wanting to see the live television show. So I think this was a really good spot for it to be in because it was one of the shorter matches that they had. It kind of told a story that which was somewhat interesting, but it really didn't have the flips and the shits and the jumps and the here and then going into the crowd and flipsy deep here and here, grab my hand. Like it was more of a structured wrestling match. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, yeah, I do. And that was unique. It's kind of stuck out as such as, as you're pointing out here. And I just, I, I, I like that. We're kind of, they're keeping them at bay. This now with this three, one lead, as we even dig into the match, the ending, you know, with, with the hammer is still coming at play. And then the fallout from that, like, I kind of like this. It's the elite came back to all this fanfare, but yet, Ooh, you're, you know what I mean? You're just not quite there. So do they overcome it in the end or do they wind up 4-1 in it? I will say, and a uh, friend of the show, Brian J at Brian underscore J underscore Bay Bay. He does make a Bay good Bay. observation, which I, I do want to bring up. He says, if you're going to kayfabe an injury, go to the back for medical attention, hobble down to the ramp, and then get, then you get in the ring and you act like you aren't injured. So dumb. I will say that I agree. Now, you could, again, get lost in the moment and say adrenaline took over. It wasn't broke. So that's why the limping stopped. But again, if you're going to leave, you can't. You got to sell it the whole way through. Um, but yeah, this match has Nick Jackson leave because of an ankle injury. It's two on three. The death triangle are taking advantage of the numbers. Nick does come down. I do like how he was like, no, I think I can do this because Tazawa or nope. Not Tazawa, sorry. Uh, Michael. I've done what's his this name? before too. Michael. Uh, yes. Naka, nailed it. Naka. 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 Nakasawa. Yeah, Nakasawa. There it is. Uh, I forget his name, but nailed he's it. fun. But he's saying. Let hey, us know in the chat. Do we don't fact check. Yeah, or hashtag tweet table. Either, either yeah. one. But he's like, hey, don't go out there. And he's like, you know what? I am. I, I think I can do it. I, you could read his lips where he's like, I think I can do this. Gets in the ring. Long story short. Death Triangle uses the hammer again, but this time to the ankle of Nick Jackson. Death Triangle picks up the victory. So now that's a 3-1 lead for Death Triangle over uh, the Elite. But post-match... Nobody would blow a 3-1 lead. Well, who would? Are, well, are you making Warriors blew a 3-1 lead. Oh, I always think of the Yankees. 2004 mm. Boston Red Sox. That's their right. greatest rival in the ALCS. Yeah. And then Boston won their first world series in 93 years. Mm -hmm. God damn. That's a, yeah. that stings. Yeah. And by the way, the Yankees were down three, one this year. Side quest. Uh, we're down this year in the playoffs, three, one to uh -huh. the Houston Astros and Aaron Boone, who was on the team in 2003. That was a part of the team that lost that three, one lead used footage of Boston overcoming the Yankees to inspire the 2022 Yankees to come back from three, one. <laughs> the fuck are you doing? Idiot. Anyhow, back to the show. Um, Kenny Omega gets on the microphone post-match and is like, Hey, I wasn't supposed to say this, but guess what? I can do this. And he says next match hammers are legal. Cause apparently you keep using them. So now we want to use them even though they've also used it as their advantage. But, you know, yeah, right? You kind of hide the Don't details. Don't let the facts there. get in the way of a good story. Yeah. 
And so he says, next match, no DQ. Anything goes. So next week, we're going to get match five. Tim, are you expecting Death Triangle to close this out? Or are you expecting a 3-2? What's your expectations for match five? not expecting Death Triangle to close this out. I I think we'll get 3-2. We could get a 4-2, right? We might not get it, like, to 7. They might go that route because AW does like to Mm -hmm. occasionally do the thing you're not thinking of. Um, but I don't think we'd do for one, but I, I also wouldn't hate it. I mean, look, these have all been fun matches, but I, I don't know what else they're going to do that would be so wildly different and above and beyond what they've done. Now, I know when you say best of seven, like, well, it was really five, right? but Hey, I mean, that's, that's real, right? That is mm-hmm. real. That's what happens. So I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it, but I think we're going to go to three, two. I will say this. The thing that I think they booked themselves in a corner on is to me, the story is Ray Phoenix in the very first match of this best of seven at the pay-per-view caved, used the hammer, felt horrible about it. Then Penta used the hammer and Ray Phoenix was like, Hey man, we don't do that. Like what the hell? And so there's been this underlying tension of Ray Phoenix, even tonight when Penta used the hammer on Nick Jackson's ankle where Penta was like, yeah, we won, but like, that's kind of bullshit. Even when Kenny Omega is cutting the promo, he's cutting the promo on Pac and Penta. Ray Phoenix has already kind of walked all the way to the back. However, now we're going into a match where the hammer is legal. So I don't see how Ray Phoenix could be like, no, 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 not now. Cause now it's fine. Like now you're not breaking the rules. So I think if you were going to have the elite win, you would have the crisis of conscience come from Ray Phoenix, who says like, okay, I'm tired of like winning this way. And he stops him, And then he, you know, costs him the match because of his morality. Right. But when everything's yeah. good, I don't see how that's going to happen. So I'm very interested to see how they get there. I agree. Cause I originally thought this was the separation of death triangle. I thought this was, Pack was going to keep saying, use the hammer, use the hammer. Penta's kind of wishy-washy until Phoenix says, no, don't. And they go, yeah, you're right. We don't. And now Lucha Bros are, are everybody's favorite baby face. Right. And Pac is out there being a bastard. Yeah. Just a mean, angry bastard. Which we still could get there, but mm-hmm. it might not happen next week. All right. So then Probably after won't. that, we go backstage and AEW world champion MJF is being interviewed. And I've said this on our uh, Twitter page at table show. If you want to follow along, I live tweet during the show. I said the standard for an MJF promo is so high and yet he still delivers each time. And then I said, I'm excited for the main event, but I want to talk about that a little bit. When you see MJF and microphone, right? A microphone is next to his mouth or in his hand. One of the two. You're expecting like, oh, what is he going to say? You you think back to the Cincinnati promo that he cut on uh, Brian Pillman Jr. Or the school shooter promo that he pulled on Darby Allen. Like those, oh my God, kind of moments. But sometimes he can just do this where he's like, hey, all the pressure's on you. Doesn't that suck? Like, this is where we're going to find out if you're really a main eventer. Because I've been a main eventer since day one. You haven't been. And so I just thought that was so exceptional that it wasn't, you know, really bad digs. It was some digs because he's a heel, but it was really just straightforward of, hey, uh, 
better not suck, pal, because a lot of people want you to win. What did you yeah. think? Uh, I I like the good setup. Again, we expect greatness from MJF every time we see him, and he always delivers just with something that is just sharp or or just mean, right? And and always delivers the heel goods. So this was no different. I thought, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better, you know, hey, let's get ready to fight tonight. Here's why you're a chump. I mean, mm-hmm. always, always hitting at least a double when he steps up to the plate, right? Of course. And then after that, we go back to uh, the entrance ramp and the acclaimed walkout. And Tim, I thought this was a great episode of Winter is Coming, but it cannot be the greatest episode of Winter is Coming. It can't even really be considered a great episode of AEW Dynamite because Jeff Jarrett's fucking Jeff dumbass fucking comes out and just ruins everything. You are you like it needs to be. In the vernacular of the IWC, X-Pac Heat needs to be retired. It is Jeff Jarrett Heat. No one wants to see him. Even his music sounds like it's fucking cop sirens going off in the background. So you know he sucks. Like, nobody wants him around. You know what it reminds me of? Like, you know, the whole presentation, the music, the look, hanging out with Sanjay Dutt and... um, and Jay Lethal and Satnam Singh and all those guys. It reminds me of like when rockers tried to come back for one more album or one more tour. So they do country music because it's the laziest fucking genre to, the, to do. That's what he's doing. He's just fucking going, hey, man, remember when I used to play electric guitar? We're doing acoustic. And it's like it fucking sucks. It fucking sucks. Like, stop. There, where's Miro? Where is Miro? You know? Where is Miro? That might be this episode title. (laughs) Because credit to Max Caster, even though obviously breaking kayfabe, he knew he was going to get attacked. He gave us some great lines. He mentioned uh, Brittany Griner. He mentions um, uh, who else did he mention? He he was topical. There were some other things that I can't remember right now. I didn't. Didn't, um, and to AW's credit, notes. they don't do this a whole lot where, like, yeah, in that, WWE, he's, he's not, they're not getting the Elias treatment where they're getting beat up every week. True. Uh, where they come out. So, you know, that I didn't hate. I was like, oh, all right, yeah. The, you know, Sanjay and, and Satnam Singh were out here beating people up. And then I remembered, oh, yeah, God damn it. That means Jeff right. Jarrett. I would not hate this if it was Jeff. Jay Lethal. And Sanjay Dutt saying, or not Sanjay Dutt, excuse me, Satnam Singh. If it was Satnam mm-hmm. Singh and Jay Lethal saying, we want to be tag champs. Because then you look at Satnam Singh, and again, kind of the great Kali treatment, although he seems more athletic. But then the, the, the elephant in the room is, well, how is Anthony Bowens or Max Caster going to attack that guy, right? Like, that's the interesting thing that you could at least bridge to the next feud. But with Jeff Jarrett... It's the only time I don't want to see the acclaim because he's going to be a part of it. Like, that's sad. I want a scissor. I don't want him. Everybody wants to scissor. So he ends the segment, Jeff Jarrett, that is, uh, after hitting uh, Max Caster over the head with the guitar with scissor this slap nut. Wait a minute. What? Jeff Jarrett was scissoring way back in the day. No, I wasn't. Yeah. He's not cool, he's not cool <laughs> no. enough to know how to do that. Watch. He's going to fucking yeah. claim it. He's going to fucking claim it. 
Well, here's the thing that, again, dates him like a fucking, you know, 90s country singer. Slapnut. We're still trying to push Slapnut. Dude, he said that again. I know. I thought I was like, dude, come on. Really? Like, fuck, man. Like, look, I I get it. I get you trying that in 1997 or whatever it was right like i get you being like this is gonna get over yeah yeah Yeah. and then like it just didn't but you know it was worth a shot then but it is 2020 fucking almost three right had to check my watch for that because i'm old but Mm -hmm. god damn dude slap nuts yeah it wasn't cool then and i get it's your shtick so you've got to say it kind of thing but like come up here's your opportunity to fucking do something different, right? Like you're in a new company that's not owned by you. So it won't be fucking bankrupt in two years. And so like fucking try something, but nope, slap nut. That's what we get. You fucking fossil, like get out of this cool promotion. You are the appendix to pro wrestling. At one time you served a purpose, but now you just need to be forked and removed. You're bad. Like he smells like an ashtray and Drakkar Noor. Here's the thing. I think maybe I see some clips on social media that other people retweet. He does that podcast with um, uh, Conrad. And who doesn't do a fucking podcast with Conrad? Conrad, call us. But like, who the fuck doesn't? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I'd rather you not. I don't like your vibe. Um, But he talked about how his his day job is really good. And he talks about working with promoters that own venues and their uh, perception of AEW and all of that stuff. So like, great, but get off fucking television. I don't even, Please. again, and I want to clarify for anyone who's a new listener or new viewer. I don't personally have any feelings one way or the other about Jeff Jarrett, the human being. It's hard because when it's a character name, but then it's also the real name. I just want to make sure that I'm not attacking the actual person. I'm attacking the character. This is what I used to call uh, pro wrestling hate it's not real like again the person may be great but like the character needs to just we hate the, right the off character and that is jeff jarrett that has spanned the pro wrestling television that we've watched exactly yeah whatever he's doing backstage and all of that stuff and i know i took a little shot at him saying the company will be under fuck him but um i don't really have any feelings towards him just want to clarify that but also get the fuck out of here so next well i mean that's my feelings towards him is like hey stop being the character of jeff jarrett just man there's so many other people that i'd rather see hey look you did the thing for rick flair's last match let's get jeff jarrett's last match right we'll put on a big thing we'll make it a pay-per-view we're not gonna watch it but (laughs) no this is what you do you make it the first episode of the ring of honor television on honor club when no one's bought it yet and then you do it and then then you put on something better after that. Hey, but we go backstage. Nine ninety nine a month for that. There's I mean, worse like, things. Hey, there's because uh, you get. Here's one thing I want to clarify. Side quest uh, about the Ring of Honor uh, Honor Club thing. Mm-hmm. I will say, you're getting new content and then also twenty some years of back library stuff where you yeah. can see CM Punk versus Samoa Joe. Brian Danielson's historic title run. So if like this style of wrestling, which everyone right now is saying Brian Danielson's the best, like you want to see him back when his early twenties, like here's your chance. And so, yes. Is it a steep price? 
Yeah, kind of. But so was the network, right? What was the network? $9.99. So, and I'm not saying yeah, but Apple's I got the pay per views with that. That's why that's I keep, true. You know, now it's that's $4.99 true. or whatever the fuck it is. But yeah, that's true. But again, a VPN will help you. Not out ESPN that. Plus, but, which sucks. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, that's another side quest. But we'll get back <laughs> on track here. Uh, following up on Jeff Jarrett, we get another thing that I am just completely over, and that's Chris Jericho and the JAS. So they're backstage, and Jericho's talking about how he tapped to the swing, which, thank God, they are approaching it like it should be, as if it's not this dastardly move that will break your neck it's a fucking child being swung by his father uh but he taps roman at the ring of honor pay-per-view your new champion is claudio by the way yeah in ring of honor but he talks about how that that move should be outlawed he's gonna get his revenge and then he talks about uh daniel garcia and daniel garcia lost his pure championship to yuda and he says hey i get it like you lost you shouldn't have so you know what we're gonna do you're going to follow, follow one of your elders. And I thought this was going to be Jake Hager. It's Sammy Guevara. Which kind of makes it worse. Because didn't we do this with MJF and Sammy Guevara in the inner circle? Yeah. Right? We did do that. But I do think, and we'll, you know, we'll talk about it here after Jericho's match, but maybe we're starting to get the solution of the jericho appreciation i sure hope so because this is i'm over it it is complete transparency with chris jericho yeah and i know we're going to talk about his match and i'll make a clarifying point when we get to there but for right now what i'd like to say about chris jericho after the mjf feud when he lost or when he won that match which he should have lost after the five labors of jericho everything after that is not good should have retired right then yeah eddie kingston doing his thing eddie kingston's always gonna do awesome he could make a great program with me and i suck you know what i mean like that wasn't jericho who made that program it was eddie kingston but literally literally everything since mjf on i just want to erase from my memory it's just not good it hasn't been good and so this is along with it yeah (laughs) so then we get back into the ring so we get oh man just such a fun classic match, at least in my opinion. I'll get your opinion here in a second. But we get Jungle Boy, Jack Perry taking on Brian Cage with Prince Nana. Uh, like I said, I thought this was a good, classic, old-school pro wrestling match. What would you think? Yeah. Yeah, this was classic. This was the, you know, baby face overcoming the, <clears throat> the more powerful, larger, dastardly heel. And by his sheer grit and toughness survives for the victory and he gets up and says all right you you uh, you know it was this guy did it this guy did it like uh, you know what i mean so jungle boy got gets to have his fierce fucking um like here's here's my big dick right <laughs> moment out there and i mean what like what do we do yeah. what do we do what well, do we do with the jungle boy well, so it seems like and, and one thing i want to clarify too even though this was a classic pro pro wrestling style match i mean there was a canadian destroyer like it was still modern right like it wasn't like just you know headlocks and wrestle hold four thousand. right yeah exactly so i mean it had action so if you haven't seen it definitely uh, make sure you check it out i think what we're doing with jungle boy is the giant killer so he mentions he took out luchasaurus then he just took out the action figure brian cage 
And so then he says, I'm going after the biggest guy. Hey, and listen, here's, well, take down on. all here's, the beasts of the jungle. Well, hold on. Here's where let's talk about it. So mm-hmm. he talks, he takes out Brian Cage, takes out Luchasaurus. Then he goes, I'm going after the biggest of them all. Big Bill. Yeah. What the fuck is that? Who thought that was cool? You have Stokely Hathaway right there. Just run that by him. He's yeah. going to tell you it's not cool. Yeah, I don't know why this big bill. Look, I, I get W. Morrissey is not a great name that rolls off the tongue either. Morrissey. Just Morrissey. Give her the Just W. Morrissey. What the fuck was that? Morrissey. 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 Would be fine. Yeah. It would be fine. Yeah, big bill sounds like a like that sounds like classic pro wrestling. That sounds like we get a guy in a trucker hat and some overalls and it's big bill. That sounds like the insult MGF would give him if he was in a feud with them, where like he calls Ricky Starks Richard. It feels Big like he would Bill. call him right. Big Bill, right? So right. it's not, it's not a good name. It's just not a good name. He I guarantee you, that guy more W Morrissey isn't going around telling people to call me Big Bill, and nobody's calling him Big Bill. So yeah, I don't know it's where dumb. this was born of. I don't know. That sounds name like is a dumb. Jr. suggestion or Jericho. Um, the name is not good, but everything else in this segment is. So again, really good match. Jungle Boy calls out uh, Morrissey. I'm just gonna start calling him Morrissey. Um, Stokely Hathaway comes out, and he's like, "What the hell are you gonna do, pal?" Lee Moriarty comes out. He starts fighting him. Then there comes Morrissey, and they're beating him up. And we get a R.I.P. New Jack because they're beating him up while the music's playing. He's like, "Oh yeah, this is just like." uh new jack r.i.p new jack we also get stokely hathaway calling jungle boy a hoe i thought that was funny you don't hear hoe a lot yes no stokely hathaway says shit at like like first of all like he said the worst crime you can commit is dick riding without a license and then he threw out this thing with the like use a hoe or whatever i love me some stokely hathaway for just that uh jeffrey sills in the chat said the way big bill hopped out of the ring from a 170 pound hook had me raffle mouth um and we got hook so that's let's talk about that so they're the the firm are beating up uh jungle boy and then you hear action bronson which i fuck the chairman's intent is a just one of the best songs of all time Without a hook. It's just one of the best songs of all time. But here comes fucking hook. It's hook. And you know how much we love hook. Anyone who's listened to the show longer than two months knows how much we love hook. This was a great spot because we hadn't seen him in a while, right? He's been kind of dormant, not really doing much. He had the match with Lee and he beats Lee. And then they're mad because he actually really didn't, which he obviously did. And so they've got a beef with it. So it makes sense that hook would come out here. And now, like uh, like Jeffrey said, the firm powder out. They they go away. We get Hook helping up Jungle Boy. And what do we got here? The hoodie and the hair? Like, this is a fucking cool team, right? The boy and his hook. <laughs> the boy and his hook. Oh, yeah. That's right. good. That's yeah. yeah. No, good stuff, man. Um, Yeah, I don't know where we go from here. What we don't necessarily need is Hook has another best friend tag team partner and he just doesn't say anything. But 
if you don't have anything for Hook, it's better to get him than to not get him occasionally. So, I mean, if you don't have anything in mind, then this won't be terrible. But it feels like it would be stalling Jungle Boy. So, I don't know what we do here. I think the moment, and again, I called for this when uh, Wardlow was going up against uh, Jay Lethal and Satnam Singh, and I didn't get it. But I think we could get it here. I think this is where we have to have Hook, Hook. T-Bone Suplex Morrissey. That has to be the spot where he just, all of his weight, all of his power, jumps this motherfucker up with his hips and throws his ass, you know, halfway across the ring. Like, that has to be the spot that we're getting from this feud. The other thing I think we could potentially get, the firm, Stokely Hathaway, potentially outsmarts the new guys, right? Because Jungle Boy is not a veteran. He's still new in his journey in pro wrestling. Hook obviously is newer than him. So Stokely Hathaway can use his mind and outsmart him, which then could potentially lead into Hook gets pissed at Jungle Boy, Jungle Boy versus Hook. That would be something would be interesting, but then you might get Jungle Boy getting some booze because everyone loves Hook still. I don't know. Should be interesting. I like all of it. Yeah, it is interesting to just have this kind of hovering, though. It's like, what is this, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I I don't... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. The hoodie and the hair. Or a boy and his hook. I like both of them. great. All right, so then we go backstage. John John Moxley, excuse me, is talking about uh, Final Battle and his win on Rampage. And people are like, hey, what the hell? You think... This is what we're doing observation you still aren't seeing brian danielson standing back there with him Mm -hmm. so that's interesting just to note right there but they're talking about all that stuff and moxley says friday night i got sammy guevara i'm gonna kick his ass and by the way hangman if you want to fight me you know where i'm at and how about this time you bring your uh dark order nerds and then they just leave it at that i think he calls them buddies i think it would have been better if you called nerds but what do you think about the dork order? But like, our, so we're wrapping up Jericho Appreciation Society, Blackpool Combat Club. Especially, even I think said it like they, even, yeah. I think like uh, Sammy Guevara even said like that might be this over, it. but it's not over for me. But like, this will be it. Yeah. Yeah. So my question to you is, looks like we're going to do John Moxley uh, with Hangman. We'll get to Hangman segment here in just a moment. But what do we do with Blackpool Combat Club? Because if we are separating Ring of Honor from AEW, well, then we're separating Blackpool Combat Club because two of them are in Ring of Honor and one of them is AEW. Well, and we are in an interesting scenario now with Blackpool Combat Club because the leader is gone, right? We We did address that last week. Now, he won't be showing up on another television program, and he was the leader. He gave him the name. So, you know, fine. They can be without him. They they had started without him, kind of, you know. So, but I just don't know what their goal is. Do they get back to the, we're going to find a new prospect? And now is Wheeler Yuta the sophomore of the Blackpool Combat Club? And is there some maybe, you know, maybe he's a little jealous of that person. Maybe we tell that story for a little while. But it's weird, again, that you have two of your top, I don't know, three names in this group in the in the Blackpool Combat Club and John Moxley and 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 Brian Danielson that's a weird dynamic that I don't think we've seen since 
forgive me, main event mafia maybe, right? Like, I don't know how we do this. But we're not forgive me, getting I know Brian... main event mafia is not exactly the yeah. best, right? But... but we're also not getting Brian Danielson with them. So True. there was that little spat with him and Yuta, and it feels like ever since that little spat backstage that we saw, he hasn't been with them once. I've got it, Tom. Tom, this is easy. So we tell that story. We get Brian Danielson and John Moxley maybe have this little, like, maybe because of the William Regal thing, right? That's the rift that keeps them from really getting on the same page. And then we have Blackpool Combat Club Hollywood and Blackpool Combat Club Wolfpack. It is easy. It's right there in front. It's it's so easy. So then Swerve Strickland Just... is, is doing a promo. <laughs> and he discusses walking away from Keith Lee, which he did at Final Battle, and says, like, next week we're going to talk this out. We'll have our moment. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how, hey, it's funny how you're siding with uh, Shane and, and, and that group that you used to be with. Apparently they're your friends. Well, guess what? I don't have any friends. And then he has his realization, like, I don't have any friends. And he kind of giggles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was interesting, the giggle part, right. Yeah, what do you think about that? I mean, I don't know. I I, I like the realization of like, yeah, well, I don't have any friends. Fuck. <laughs> right? Like, I kind of, I, I, like, I, the the initial funny, because I'm a bad person maybe, thing is that he was like, fuck, I don't have any friends, <laughs> right? Like, and then that kind of fucks him up, but maybe he instantly was like, yeah, I don't have any friends. That's an interesting response, right, to like, Oh yeah, <laughs> like I don't have any friends, right? Is, yeah, it know. almost sounds like it almost sounds like he has a a sense of freedom, right? It's very so he sociopathic, yeah, yeah. So because he has no one to answer to within the wrestling industry, We've got nobody to think about, nobody to yeah. care about. So that was very interesting. Don't have so, to watch anybody's uh, back. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens next week. I'm very interested in that. Where where we go from there? Uh, next up, we get the return of the House of Black. And this is a squash match. Uh, they take on the factory. And poor cutie. Uh, Camarado throws his pick at Julia Hart. Hart spits the mist into his face. And then it's just a one sided beat down. And the House of Black get the victory. It's, fine, right? House of Black should get a victory in short order over this keystone cops group that is you know cutie marshall in the factory but Mm -hmm. a couple things that really make me sad is a as much as like every time we see camarada we're like hey this new thing where you're wearing the the bowler and the and the velvet you know track suit or whatever great but it's lost in in cutie marshall's factory like we're not getting you know him being the standalone we just get this snippets of it um so we're losing that but then just, it, he's also getting a little bit of that big Papa Pump thing where we're like, man, if you put one more needle in, in that arm, allegedly, you're going to you're gonna pop, brother. Um, yeah, I don't, I, you know, I, it just leaves me going like, okay, House of Black, I thought well, we had a reason good. for you coming back, you know? Right. I think it was a good, hey, right? Hey, we're here. Now, if you watched, I believe, Dark or Elevation, I get the two shows confused, on YouTube. Yeah. There was a backstage promo with Eddie Kingston and Ortiz, and they mentioned the House of Black. Ortiz talked about how they spared him, and he didn't like that feeling. And Eddie Kingston's like, "Hey, we're gonna fight you. We're gonna we're gonna fight you." So 
uh, be ready. So I think that's where we're going. But we did need a here we are. So I like what it was. And it wasn't long either. So credit to them that they didn't drag this out and each one get a tag and all that stuff. They just in and out as it should have been. Uh, one other thing, another quick side quest. I, uh, I watched a clip of um, BTE. And mm. at the last show they were there that they were at, uh, there you was like the young big, bucks now. Well, no, I saw it because it was interesting because they had this big dumbbell. It was huge. Oh, is this the one they were everyone, trying to pick up? They had everyone trying yeah. to pick up. You know who? The, now, some people weren't there. Powerhouse Hobbs, I don't think, had an opportunity to do it. There were others, you know, bigger guys that did it. There were two guys that got the opportunity to do it and be successful. They were one, Satnam Singh, which one thing also, it looked hard to grip. It was, it was really round. It wasn't something that you can get your hand around. But Wardlow couldn't do it. Uh, Brody King couldn't do it. Yeah. Nick Camarado did. And this is where it's like, let's pivot then from Wardlow being the biggest guy in the room. And let's just have that be yeah. Nick Camarado. I, I will tell you this. Uh, when we've been around Nick Camarado, for whatever reason, he does have a charisma, right? And that look now that he's got going on with this kind of, I, I don't even know what to call it, right? But it just looks goofy. And he ha- he's playing into that, right? Like he's he's got a little pep in his step and a smile and, and and yeah i think i think there's something there that we could run with now i don't know you know again we don't know behind the curtain much like we're not watching maybe he's the drizzling shits in the ring and they can't really put him out there yet or something i don't know but then make him go crazy you know who was also the drizzling shits on the microphone and was the top guy towards the end of wcw and then made a fucking huge impact in wwe when he debuted scott steiner Fucking have him be Scott Steiner. Have him call people fat. Have him go out there and just talk nonsense. Obviously, he can't cuss and stuff like that. Yeah. But just have even bring uh, in please? Scott Steiner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> have, oh. have Scott Steiner come in for one week and give him his blessing. Like, hey, I'm your hookup. Holler if you hear me. And then Nick Camarado just like, Nick Camarado is your hookup. Holler if you hear me. Like, don't steal it line for line. You know what I mean? But like, just oh, no, but Scott like, Steiner. fuck it up. Be like, yeah. holler if you hear Nick Camarado. I'm a freak. And they'll be like, yeah, good enough. <laughs> yeah, sure. Just it all sure. checks out, but what the fuck yeah. was that? Yeah. Sure thing. Have- I'll send you my bill. <laughs> yeah. Just just have him be Scott Steiner. Because he mm-hmm. kind of has that vibe. Have him like being mentored by Scott Steiner at the Shonies that Scott Steiner owns. <laughs> Every like week he's getting his like the the dawn of the mafia is giving him he's like you got to tell the freaks <laughs> you got to put them in line hey cutie marshall did this with diamond dallas page that's how he got the diamond cutter as his finisher fucking do this with scott steiner i mean why not right there he could come yeah, out with the else? fucking oh, chain the link yeah. <laughs> yes Yes. But what that proved to me is that he's fucking one of the strongest guys. I saw in that the too. Roster. So and and I think yeah, the best anybody else could do. I think Wardlow like managed to like just get it barely off the ground, but nobody else could even get it off the ground except the two that you mentioned, Camarado, and of course Satnam Singh like walked right up to the goddamn thing. Ah, and what is like up yeah. and scratched his back with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was good stuff. Yeah, I saw that. That was fun. Yeah, I don't know so, what yeah. that was. It looked like a movie prop from a fucking yeah marvel was, movie or something it was huge but it damn sure it had to be heavy yeah it looked like it for sure all right let's get back to the show here uh we go backstage 
Uh, Sky Blue interrupts Britt Baker. We're going to get that at Rampage. Fine. Uh, then we get to the most surprising moment of the night. Chris Jericho, he wants that tune-up match. So he goes out there against the jobber. Action on or Andretti. Action Andretti. Got it. I was going to say Andrade, but it's Nailed not. it. Action Andretti. No. <laughs> Mario Andretti. Action Andretti. That's Kimo, how it everybody. Is. Forgive him. <laughs> no, no, no. I can't read um, So credit to the crowd in this one. Because action, they get behind him yeah. instantly. Let's go, jobber. Oh, crowd was uh, hyped tonight. And yeah. they, they really were in for this one. Yeah. And they were doing all the chants. The... Uh, they did a bask in our glory or bask in my glory ripoff where it mentioned jobber. I couldn't really hear exactly what that one was, mm -hmm. but it was let's go jobber. Jobber's the best. Anytime he got offense, oh, we fucking went wild. And action, Andretti gets the fucking victory. Yeah, we get our one, two, three kid moment here. Well, even if, if you want to relate this to Chris Jericho, go back to WCW Nitro when he upsets Scott Hall, Scott Hall in the NWO. Wearing the black and red, you know, Scott Hall did this a couple times, as you mentioned, one, two, three, kid as well. Um, so now it happens to Chris Jericho. Then it's revealed by Tony Khan on his Twitter page that Action Andretti gets a victory, or excuse me, gets a contract. So here's the newest member, gets the Santino Morella kind of treatment where debuts with a big win, doesn't win a title. But what do you think about this kid? Yes. Um, AEW likes to do this a lot, right? And and of course, this is what you do. If you run an athletic sporting group, you would have a farm system, right? You're going to get in a lot of young talent. You're going to try them out and see if something sticks. So you're going to do this. But I feel like I'm a little worried that Action Andretti is, is private party, is, uh, you know, Dante Martin, is Lee Moriarty, is, right? Like where we've got somebody who can, man, they can do all the moves. Man, they get that deer in the headlights when we put a microphone and a camera in front of them. And yeah, it, this was unique in the sense of it, it was a true jobber, right? No one that was signed beforehand and gets the victory over a top level guy. They've done something similar to when uh, the captain, Sean Dean, beat MJF, but Captain Sean Dean was kind of an established name. Again, not a and winner. And MJF wasn't. The top guy, Hall of the Famer, top guy. certified right, Hall yeah. of Famer everywhere he's been. But very similar, right? Similar to that, but this was a little bit more extreme. The top of the top, most famous name in the company versus I would never, I didn't even know who this guy was beforehand, right? It was like not even Danhausen where you knew his name on the indies. It was, I didn't know of him at yeah. all. Now maybe. Look like Will Ospreay's younger brother. Yeah. Now <laughs> whoever's watching, they probably know because, you know, they know more than I do about wrestling, which another quick side quest. Here's another thing I can't stand about the IWC. And I'm not that angry tonight, but I do want to say this. Yeah, you're not. Yeah. This is the only niche interest, whatever you want to call it, where if you only like one thing, you're not a true pro wrestling fan, right? So like Tim, I like football. I know a lot about the NFL. You know what? I don't know shit about the Canadian football league. But I'm still a football. Even, you fan, don't even right? know much about NCAA football. Yeah, I don't care about that right. either. Yeah, whatever. But I know a lot about the NFL. But 
And so people are like, oh, he's a big football fan. Like, you know, people will say that about me. This is the only thing that if you're a WWE guy or an AEW guy, it's like you're wearing a scarlet letter and you're shunned from the rest of the community because you should be knowing who the central state's uh, heavyweight champion the, is the only thing Omaha, Nebraska. The only thing I think that you might encounter this kind of treatment in, in a genre is maybe punk music, right? Yeah. Punk music mm-hmm. folks will be like, Oh, you only know the, yeah, or whatever, right? Pistols. You, yeah. Only you the only know the dropkick Murphy's and fucking, yeah, you're like, all right, fuck yeah. off, man. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's very much that same kind of attitude. It's this hipster. Oh, I was a fan before it was cool. But like, or even just like, you have to know everything about everything. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, I like one thing a yeah, lot. They'll be like, name three indie wrestlers from Japan. Be like, I don't fucking know. I care. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, did you watch his stuff in, in New Japan when he was a young boy? No, I fucking didn't. And no, it's that's okay. a weird term. I wish you'd stop saying it. <laughs> well, yeah, it is a weird term. But yeah, this, look, we have people that we know that like the independent scene. And if you're all into that and you don't know anything WWE, it doesn't make you any less of a fan of pro wrestling than the reverse. If you only know Bobby Lashley, Seth yeah. Rollins, Randy Orton, that's like, it's fine. I hate that, 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 that you have to know the entire spectrum of everything to be a wrestling fan. It's like, fuck off, fuck off. Anyhow. Uh, so after that, uh, we get a backstage interview with Ricky Starks and another great one, Tim. What yeah. do you think of this backstage promo? I like this one and very much specifically because it wasn't the same thing that he gave us last week, right? I, I We loved last week's promo and we talked it up a whole bunch and it's, a whole bunch of people did. But a lot of people also said they didn't like it. Again, right? Some people like something, some people don't. A lot of people I saw online were giving Ricky Stark shit for his similarities to The Rock, which we somewhat addressed. And I, I, I think people are forgetting The Rock didn't trademark or invent rapid fire delivery, right? Like that, because somebody can rattle off the insults quickly doesn't mean they're just doing it to be like The Rock. It just means they're fast, right? And and I kind of mentioned this like. The swagger and stuff that he has is just a swagger you get when you know, like, it's big dick energy, if, if we're being honest, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. just that he's like, I know I'm the shit. And so it is similar. But this didn't feel even close to that. This was much more just like, like, it was this, like, I don't even know how to describe it, right? He's just like, no, I like, as I told you before, I am everything you th- have been trying to say that you are because I'm the fucking greatest and I'm going to fucking put my foot through your ass and show you I'm the greatest. I'm going to walk out of there and embarrass you and show everybody that I'm the goddamn greatest. Like I said, next, right? Like it was just like, he was almost bored of this and, and I loved it. I loved all of this. Yeah. I like the, I like the feel of this because it had that feel of, in the locker room before the event there's a different energy especially if you watch fights and they'll do this from time to time where they'll interview a boxer or interview a mma fighter the night of the fight five fights before his or her fight is going to happen and there's just that different energy then at the press conference three days beforehand or at the weigh-ins the day before when it's the night of it's like we all know the bullshit's getting pushed to the side. And now this is really 
what I'm saying. And that's what Ricky Starks felt here is it wasn't the, I'm going to say a one-liner so that I can get a t-shirt. It was, I I legitimately think I'm better than you. And you know that I'm better than you kind of thing. I mean, you know, MJF says that kind of stuff as well, but both guys had that energy of it's going to be about 20 to 30 minutes and I'm going to punch you in the face. And that's yeah. what I liked about both promos. They were really yeah, good. Where they both are lost in their own sauce. They own, they both really wholeheartedly believe their own bullshit or whatever it may be. And, mm -hmm. and I even like though, that the Starks line of like, like, Sorry, like if it it just means that you've never experienced people that actually fucking like you and support you, but like I fucking have, right? Like, like I like I like that portion of it. It's mm -hmm. Like that just means that like nobody fucking likes you. Like, yeah. Sorry that you don't know what that's like, but like I do because I'm the fucking realist and I'm the coolest, yeah. not you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love this, and and you're right. As you said last week, man. We've got to capture this, and we've still got the main event to go, but we have got to capture this. We cannot let this go. Tim. All right, so uh, after the Ricky Starks promo, a really quick FTR talks about their loss to the Briscoes, which if you haven't seen that uh, fucking dog collar match, make yeah. sure you do. When we do our recaps of matches of the year, that's going to be on mine. Spoiler alert. Uh, then we get Chris Jericho doing a temper tantrum. He's throwing everything, hitting the chair, all that. But Tim... As you mentioned, we still have the main event. But right before the main event, you know what we get? It's time, time for, for the women. women. Yeah. Right before the main event, we get the women all the fucking time. Yes. All the time. That's how we like it, Tony. Every time. Predictable. Death, death taxes, and a women's match before the main event. I'm a little upset we didn't get the women's half hour, but women before the main event, at least we're getting that. Yeah, that's the staple we need. And so here we go. We get Ty Mello taking on Ruby Soho. Credit to the crowd. They're into this. The, oh, yeah, they were into this, which made it uh, better probably, I think, than we would have thought it was without yeah, the crowd the being with, into it. Yeah, the thing with Ruby Soho that I think she has a problem of is similar to Elias. Where you look at Elias, the whole packaging and everything says like, this will be something that the crowd will like. And when they make the surprise entrance or do, you know, in Elias case, a concert, the crowd eats it up. And then the bell rings and everyone sits on their hands. And Ruby Soho is kind of a victim of that. That song hits. We all dance. She runs down. She clears the ring destination yeah we get all of it but then she wrestles and we go oh okay yeah like it's not bad it's kind of like monday night raw it's just fine but in this match at least the crowd was into it and so we had a back and forth kind of affair and then uh ruby soho picks up the victory with the destination unknown so that was cool after the match Anna J runs down. Here was the thing that caught me off guard. And this is completely me. But when women wrestlers come out without bells and whistles, as I like to call it, it throws me off. Anna J just came out in a sports bra and black shorts. Mm -hmm. There was no like words on it. There was no fishnets. There was no like taped wrist. I thought it was a fan at first. I was like, what the fuck right. is this? It just, so normal it just looks so normal so i don't know that just caught me off guard but yeah 
So now uh, Anna Jay drives Ruby's face to the mat. So we'll probably get that match. Cool. Yeah. Tim, then we go backstage. This is probably, maybe it's because I'm on this chemo pill, whatever. I don't know. But I damn near cried about this next backstage interview we do. So Alex Marvez asked Hangman Adam Page for a medical update. Hangman's like, oh, you want a, you want an update? Here, I'll give you the update. So I, I get knocked out. And I'm out for 60 seconds, I think is what he says. And I get put in the ambulance and about halfway through, I come to, I'm starting to get my bearings. They ask me questions. What's today's date? I think he said it was October 18th. What city are we in? Cincinnati. Who'd you wrestle? The champion. And then the EMT says, well, man, you got about 200 texts and a hundred phone calls. So you're going to need to unlock your phone to obviously address the people who want to know your safety, right? Safety and concerns. And they hand him the phone and on his lock screen is his son. And they ask him, they say, so is that your son? And he says, yeah. And they go, oh, that's cute. Or he's really cute. What's his name? And he says to Alex Marvez and to us, he can't think of it for an hour. He doesn't know his son's name. Yeah. Oh, I don't have kids. If I couldn't remember my dog's name, I'd fucking start feeling bad. Yeah. I couldn't imagine yeah. a kid. Jesus. Yeah. Um, well, and that's it. It, it does well for the story of like why hangman page is so focused now and driven, which might even be irrationally. Like it, as we watched, Moxley didn't like go to purposely injure Hangman, right? But Hangman needs this because Hangman, ultimately, if we're a psychologist here, Hangman is upset with himself, but it's taking the form of John Moxley. Well, I can understand wanting revenge because that's the man who did it to you, right? You feel, right. I can't, why am I feeling this way? That person caused it, right? The line also that kind of got chills down your spine was John Moxley wants to go to hell. I'll take him there because I've been there. Mm. <laughs> now, again, I'm paraphrasing. Don't say that I misquote him because I'm not trying to. But you got the gist of what he's saying here. I Man, both guys are right. You know what I'm saying? Because on one hand, yeah, I knocked you out. I'm moving on. And the other one said, you put me in a state that I never want to experience again. Now I demand that you feel what I felt and I'm going to make you feel it. I mean, both guys are right. Both guys are wrong too, well, right? And but there's even just the like, Hey, you and I both know that was a freak accident of you fucking, you know what I mean? Like me falling wrong. And I'm going to show you that like, if that didn't happen, I would have beat your ass. You don't get to walk around Mott like you won. But when, to John Moxley, you know, he says, oh, I'd do that again. I'll probably right. do it again the next time we face. Right. Like the last time we faced, you fucking still ended well, up on and your And both head. are right, right? Like, hey, man, hey. can say, like, if, if I didn't slip and fall on my head there, you know, mm -hmm. as you're holding me or whatever, like, then, then I get up and I beat your ass. And he's like, okay, but you didn't. And I dropped right. you on your motherfucking head. <laughs> so, yeah. tough. It's, and their last pull apart had the Blackpool Combat Club come down, like Claudio and Yuta and pull him apart and hangman was kind of flustered and he couldn't really focus and so that's when john moxley's like all right well the next time bring your your dork order so it's a fair fight for you 
and almost arrogantly is like okay man sure we'll do it best of seven like i'm gonna beat you four times in a row it doesn't fucking matter so i like it and even john moxley to his credit is like i kind of like this guy it's fun yeah that's on the head but man that hangman promo well Ooh. i am interested in this idea that they are referencing the dark order and and hangman even brought up that he referenced the dark order but evil uno's in the back like hey motherfucker like he gotta know like keep me the fuck out of this that's not what he did to you i ain't trying to wind up that way so I, like we say not a whole lot in pro wrestling happens by accident what is the specific point of the like double triple mentioning of the dark order here the only thing i can think of is a rampage or dynamite we get john silver uno so there's a reason it's just underwhelming yeah i think it's just to get the 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 dark order and hangman versus Mm -hmm. no no no, just the six-man tag yeah i don't think dark yeah that's what i mean yeah yeah, yeah, right yeah yeah. six-man tag is what i meant right yeah three on three yeah yeah that's that's what i think but who knows i don't know um so yeah very very good promo I uh, was very impressed. And again, I almost cried Absolutely. when he mentioned that kid stuff. Cause whew, God yeah. damn. All right. Then we get to the main event and it is our heavyweight championship and dynamite diamond ring. Winner takes all. I liked how um, the uh, referee had like the belt and then like the ring was like, Hey, for both <laughs> yeah. of these, these two okay. things. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We've, they're both equal. And $23 and 17 cents. Here's a cap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a man. signed jungle boy poster. <laughs> so this match was really good. Again, another classic match that didn't try to be more than it should have been. And it was a main event of a weekly television yeah this wasn't this wasn't all out this wasn't revolution this was dynamite winter is coming but dynamite uh i really like this match what'd you think same thing i i really like the storytelling aspect they pulled here this was a classic match where i mean ricky starks was pulling out all the stops and getting so close but mjf could still just uh keep him you know just ever so close and then mjf Almost got got a couple times, but had to do something heelish to get out of it, right? Like, they just told that. But in the end, you even called it. Low blows him. And the ref ain't looking. Gets the pin. Yeah, and so mean, now, this is what you said. Okay, he's cut two fucking great promo, promos. He got low blowed. What do we do? What we, you know, what we always saw on the other side of the fence of premier wrestling television in America is... We're going to run it back. Oh, you low-blowed me. We're going to do it at the next pay-per-view, and then we're going to do it at the next pay-per-view, and then we're going to do it at the next pay-per-view. I don't know that we should get that. I mean, you could squeeze one maybe, but MJF still has to win it, right? So what do you do to keep Ricky Starks on fire? Like somebody else has got to draw Ricky Starks' attention away but keep that same energy yeah, away that's that's the trickiest thing because post-match is what made it even worse for me as far as like the doom of what potentially could be ricky starks's push coming to an end because yes uh, mjf does the referees distracted low blow gets the one two three haha 
I leave. Now, again, if you're going to do the run it back or anything like that, that's where Ricky Starks can get on a promo or get on a microphone, cut a promo, say, kind of like what Kenny Omega said, next time it's no DQ, you know, something like that. But what we instantly got, match is over, here comes Brian Danielson. Because the foreshadowing from MJF has been, hey, Brian Danielson, I took out your your mentor, you're a loser. You're so we're instantly, it feels like going right to there, right? Cause MPF takes off, he runs, he goes up to the ramp. He holds up the title. Brian Danielson points at him. The odd man out there is Ricky well, Stark. I, I think the, and again, I think the whole time since MJF was like, I'm taking this title. Like that storyline has been already written that he will be taking on Brian Danielson because once they had to pivot away from punk, it became this William Regal story. Mm-hmm. Now, again, we've had to pivot away necessarily from William Regal, but we can still continue it on with Brian Danielson, which is where we were trying to get to. The Ricky Starks thing, I, I don't know why that popped in the middle. And to Ricky Starks' credit, he ran with it and made it catch fire to be way more meaningful than it probably should have been on paper because it was probably a stall tactic. And they were like, oh, crap, we've got the dynamite diamond ring thing. And they just put two and two together, but I, yeah, I. Well, I like think you they have needed, to do something, but who could right. you like? I don't know. Well, so so I think they did it because Winter is Coming is still a special event for them. It's their clash yeah. of champions, the old school WCW. It's on TBS kind of special event, right? So they did, they wanted a title match. Ricky Starks. Look, everyone was clamoring for more Ricky Starks, as you saw on the internet and everywhere else. So it made sense. All right, do that, right? Uh, the. The one person I think you could have him get his attention and maybe do some fun stuff with is the guy he beat, Ethan Page. Ethan Page can be like, dude, you fumbled the match. You know who wouldn't have fumbled that match? Me. And then you do Ethan Page, Ricky Starks. I wouldn't hate that. Those two guys I like. I know we flirted with the Sango before too, but I mean, the TNT champion is out there and Ricky Starks could fucking throw some promos down against the Samoa Joe. Yeah, but Samoa Joe would kill him. I mean, <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's a hell of a name that could do a job for him. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so yeah, take for sure. Title. Oh, I'm not, I'm not saying that that couldn't happen. I'm saying for next week, because that's my biggest concern, is next Dynamite needs to have Ricky Stark selling, grabbing his balls, whatever, and saying like, I want my revenge. And then someone enter someone and says it. And that's where I think the easiest thing to buy us some time to still keep them on our television is Ethan page and Stokely Hathaway are like, dude, you beat us just to do that. You loser. And then we could have won. And then you got a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And could have done something like that. This may be, yeah. Samoa Joe, but like next week, I think the easiest layup, yeah, would be Ethan Page. Yeah, because somebody has to like heal him up, right? Somebody's got to like poke the bear yeah. or take something from him, mm-hmm. draw his attention away. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, I could see that. So here would be my three suggestions: one for next week, one Ethan Page because that's easy, right? Hey, you took my spot. You couldn't do what I could do. Two, more interesting, House of Black approaches him and is like hey man seem lost seem seem not with it you could have won that match if you were focused and then ricky starks does the fuck you and then 
they beat him into submission potentially right the the whole join the cult no i'm pretty fuck you put on some paint on your face you know something like that who knows um and then three samoa joe wouldn't be a bad backup right where it's like hey check him out you know so we'll see Mm. but that was AEW dynamite again it was a great episode but not an all-timer because jeff jarrett was on it so fuck that guy um but it was really fun but i love these specially named episodes right this winter is coming the road rager right they always deliver on these right they the the crowd always seems to be into them i don't know what they're doing you know to the differently to plan for those versus some of the others but like they always find a way to make sure something hype happens on these episodes uh something hype also happened this week once again with jeffrey todd being the beer sponsor of the week i heard jeffrey todd is so awesome that if dave Chappelle called him up on stage nobody would boo that's fucking awesome yeah I don't. Is that something? You don't get the reference. Yeah, Elon Musk. He called Elon Musk up on stage, and the whole crowd fucking booed him for like forty minutes. (laughs) Elon Musk actually went up there. Elon Musk was there. Yeah, he like called Elon Musk up. He's like, he's like, hey, everybody, the richest man in the world, and they he was in San Francisco. They booed him for like forty minutes straight while he like, ironically, didn't know what to fucking do and waved and shit, and then tweeted about it for hours late at night. Um, no, uh, Jeffrey Todd, uh, smells of success and dreams fulfilled. Well, we know he has great taste because he's a fan of the Spanish announce table. And so are you, hopefully, now that we've made you listen this far and you too could be a beer sponsor of the week and hear how great you are. Uh, all you gotta do is donate on Spanish There's PayPal links or there's cash app on the Twitter link. You can also, if you don't want to donate, if you just want to get something for your money, you can buy our shirt at Pro Wrestling Tees. You can search for Spanish Announce Table or it's ProWrestlingTees.com slash Spanish Announce Table. And, um, God, this was fun. Tom this was made fun. it the whole way through. The chemo and the drinking didn't affect you yet. Or you might pass Not out yet. as soon as we hit stop recording. <laughs> like, I'm hanging by a thread, Tim. Don't worry. I don't even know who I'm talking to. I thought you were Luchasaurus. <laughs> All right. On that note, we will just get out of here and we will see you next week on the Spanish Announce Table. The Spanish Announce Table.